one of the things that I allude to when I talk to these guys about this personally. David, when he was in the tent of Saul, it's a, very, it's a, it's a picture to help you know what God's called you to do as you begin to pursue the will of God for your life. When David made that courageous statement to, the, to King Saul that he would fight the giant, that no one in the army of Israel was courageous enough to fight, the scripture says after some dialogue, Saul gave him the, the, you know, gave him the consent to go, and then he attempted to put the armor on David and David it was cumbersome to him he kind of walked out of the tent with the sound of that armor kind of clanging at his side and he realized just then he said I cannot go to battle in these and here's what it says he said for I it says he essayed to go King James English he essayed he attempted to go he could not go he said for I have not proven these so there was not there was something he just wasn't comfortable doing let me tell you if he had went out on the valley floor of Ella, we drove past it in Israel. We got to see the sign, the Valley of Ella. This was a really cool thing for us because we knew what took place right there. History was made. If he had went to the battle with the, with the king's armor on that day, there could have been an entirely different narrative that could have unfolded in the pages of biblical history. But because he knew to trust his instinctive, you know, his, his gifting, that he had proven in the field when he had seen the hand of God upon him, he was confident in a leather sling and five stones taken from the brook rather than a sharp sword, right, and the king's armor. And when you get to that place in your life where you learn that there's some things that God has anointed you to do, you're far better in the, in the slang term to stay in your lane. Right, one of the things that I value this time right here, I value this teaching time. I always have. I, I believe that there's a, this time, and not only me, I see it being replicated in other leaders in our church. I believe there's a prophetic gift that flows through teaching, not just instruction. So we're not just here to give you sound instruction. We're here to give you a prophetic word. I'm going to show you this in just a moment because that's going to empower you in being the person God's called you to be. You've got issues and challenges in your life. You're going to need confident moments, and your confidence is in God. Simon Peter, it says, first one of chapter number one, he's a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Remember that. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's you and I. We have obtained like, similar, it's comparable precious faith as that of which the apostles possessed. Here he said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through, read it with me, through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. We should be in a forever constant state of learning, shouldn't we? None of us should ever arrive at the place where we can sit on the mountain in our chair and say, I have acquired every amount of knowledge. The old adage is there's power in knowledge, and there is. Now, not just in head knowledge. But in spirit-empowered knowledge, there's power. And I have to believe that's what Peter's talking about. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the, here it is again, the knowledge of him that hath called us both to glory and to virtue. And to power, whereby are given unto us, look at this, exceeding great. We just sing about all the what? 
All the promises. And we don't put these lessons together. They just happen. They just happen. I don't know what songs are coming out until right here. And so, and so by, we've got these exceeding great and we've got precious promises. But these promises, if you don't know them, what value will they have in your life? If you uh, are, are ignorant of these things. And so these exceeding great and precious promises that by these you are a partaker of the divine nature. If we were to really have furthered Jace's thought, and I know, Jace, you hesitated to say it, so I'm going to finish your words for you. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I know what you was thinking, but you didn't think the people could handle it. But I'm going to tell you, actually, there is a difference between you and Elijah. Elijah didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside of him the way that you and I do. We are a partaker of the divine nature. The Spirit of God came upon Elijah. The Spirit of God empowered him to do great things, but he was not born again as you and I are. If he could have looked ahead, he would have seen, like the Bible says, angels look at what you've got and want what you have. And so you've been made a partaker of the divine nature. I'm a child of God today. right? I'm a son of God. If you're a female, you're a daughter of God. And I know there's not gender in that relationship to God, but we'll use it for our understanding here today. And we are a partaker of the divine nature of God. And you've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. We're, we've escaped it. We've escaped the, the corruption, including the destruction. Now, look at this. Fifth verse. Besides this, give all diligence. Make sure. When you're diligent, you're determined to do this, right? Right? The Bible uses the word diligent in more than one occasion. I believe it's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. Uh, it speaks about being diligent. Give all diligence. So make sure you're doing this. You've got to add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, say it again with me right there, what? Knowledge. In the Old Covenant, the book of Proverbs, it says, my people are destroyed for, for a lack of knowledge. And I'm going to show you a different angle at knowledge here in just a few moments of something that's really helped me personally, where I believe it could be beneficial to our study. So you add to this. You add to your faith, to knowledge, then to temperance. And then to temperance, patience, patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And if these things are in you, and they abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's the fourth or the fifth time the word knowledge appears in Peter's first, what, eight verses of Scripture. Peter is teaching us something here. It's important that we grow and that we learn. Come on. That we continue to seek after the knowledge of God. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. That's a, that's, a, that's a bad place to be. That's when that condemnation that the Apostle Paul wrote about, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But when you, when you don't know these things, you will forget the carnal mind, the fleshly appetite, you will forget. But when you have a constant reminder, the Holy Spirit quickening, revealing the word in your life, it says that you have forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, once again, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail or fall. 
For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And let's go on down with this because this is going to get really good here. As a matter of fact, this is a preaching moment here if I really chose to do so. Wherefore, I will not be negligent. There's me. There's Jace. There's uh, Shane. There's our other leaders in this church family. We will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. We're going to be that spiritual antagonist that's just resounding in your ear for you to know these things, though you know them. He said, and you're already established in the present truth, but we're going to continually remind you of these things. And he said, and I think, now he speaks very personally, the apostle does. He said, I think it's meat, it's, it's, it's adequate as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up. Isn't that good right there? Stir you up by putting you in remembrance. So I'm going to share familiar truths with you. But he said, it's going, the Spirit of God's going to make those familiar truths. You've known them previously. He said, you're established in the present truth. But when I'm going to show you and remind you of them, it's going to stir you up to good works, to zeal, to passion, right? The Spirit of God's going to take. I'm telling you, there are times I preached Sunday from a familiar passage. And guess what? I'm going to bring that juniper tree back out Sunday morning. Now, I've preached, and I've preached from that text of Scripture many times, and I know every one of you that has studied the Scriptures for any length of time, you've been in 1 Kings chapter number 18, and you've knelt with, you've watched uh, Elijah and the, and the, and the, you know, the standoff with the, with the uh, Ahab and with the, the prophets of Baal. You've, you've looked at that and read it, but it didn't matter. In my office alone, you know, and then spending time with God uh, that Sunday morning before I came here, the quickening power of the Spirit of God took something very familiar and made it very fresh in my life. And it resounded. It stirred you up, didn't it? I'm going to be honest. I know it did. I can tell. I know when I, I, know when I got just a word or I've got a, a, a word. And I knew when I got here I had a word from God. And I could tell that it stirred you up. Even though you say, well, Pastor, I know. Yeah, you knew it, but, but God had breathed on it. He had put his breath. It was intended to, to, to take you from under the juniper tree to the mountain of God. Where it take you from a position of, of despair and, and sometimes feeling uh, inferior or maybe you want to give up or you want to quit unto a journey that you have to make. And I was very transparent in my own life, sharing with you some of the things that at times that even the preacher, even the preacher, I, I have to admit though, Dr. Brassfield texted me. I think he was afraid that I really, really was dis, dis, down. <laughs> and I, I, I shared with him. I said, actually, Dr. Brassfield, I'm in a good place. I learned how to go from the juniper tree to Horeb. Right? I learned not to stay there. But I wanted people to know. But I have been there. Right? I have been there more than one, more than one time. And so I want to stir you up tonight. He said this, so that he said, knowing this, verse 14, I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Now look at these last five, six verses. This is so powerful right here. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Listen, we didn't, this thing was not made up in a back corner somewhere. Right, the Apostle Peter is telling us by his own pen, he said, We have not followed a cunningly devised fable when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Hallelujah. Come on, let's, let's put all this together. He said, we were eyewitnesses. We walked with him. We talked with him. John, his brother, his beloved brother, said, our hands have handled, our eyes have seen the word of life. Come on. The scripture says in, in Luke 24, Jesus said, a spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see I have. Touch me and see. They were there with him. Peter ran. Peter ran. John was a little younger, outran him, but they both went into the sepulcher. Right? They saw. They heard the angel. He's telling you, he said, we didn't make this story up. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And then he takes us to a very significant moment. I want you to try to, let's see if we can connect this thing together. We'll weave it together. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Affirmation from the father, right? Not only to the people to hear it, but also to the son. That he was pleased with him. Jesus uh, being affirmed by the father. And Peter said, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now, don't forget that in just a moment. We're going to come back to that. So therefore, because we were on the mount and we heard the voice, he said, therefore, we have a more sure, look at this, verse 19, we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the day star rises in your heart. So we're being exhorted by the apostle who was on the holy mount, heard the voice of God, the audible, tangible voice of God. He heard it, right? On the holy mountain of God, the voice of God, speaking and affirming the ministry of Jesus. He said, therefore, because as a direct result of that moment, we have a more sure word of prophecy. You need to take heed into this prophetic word. And then the last two verses, knowing this, that no prophecy of the Scripture, pay attention to these words, is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? That'd make a Presbyterian preach right there. Uh, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God empowers us. Inspire, empowered men to speak the truths of Scripture. So here's what I've got on my mind about what to do with my Wednesday, our Wednesday night. To kind of continue in the vein a little bit, perhaps in the vein a little from the, from the purple book. But I'm going to put these words. Let me go to a black ink. I think you all like black ink better. You see it far, all the way back where Miss Annie is on the back row right back there. Overview. Overview. What do you think about that? Of the Bible. I'm going to share with you why I just said an overview. An overview is a necessary thing in a lot of areas of your life. One of the things that the role of a pastor, scriptural and narrative is this right here, is a pastor. The word pastor in the original language is also shepherd. Did y'all know that? It's used in the context of we keep the sheep and you're the flock of God, Correct. Jesus himself is called our great bishop and shepherd of the sheep. And so this particular word in Scripture, we also it's called a bishop. But then there's another passage of Scripture where it's called 
an overseer. And so as a pastor, and I, this is a life lesson that I've taught Joe over the years because as he was maturing and growing in his role as the youth pastor, oftentimes there was a uh, trying to figure out what was happening in ICM, and sometimes he would just be so close to ICM that he couldn't see it in the over overall connection to the whole body. And as he has matured and grown, and in our personal conversation, he's, we've talked about this, and he said he's learned to have oversight, to see how it affects the entirety of the body. Does that make sense? Overseers. Here's an overview of the Bible that I believe, now I'm praying about this, and I'm, I want to ask y'all that this, we, can, we can have honest confession, can't we? I'm asking y'all to pray with me right here tonight. I'm going to probably intro it next week, and we'll see if, there, if it bears witness to our spirits, right? If it bears witness to our spirits. But the, the overview is an individual, it's looking briefly at each book of the Bible. And I'm going to show you about that. And some of you think, oh, let me, don't, don't, don't do that just yet. Hold on. There's more to it. What you so it's looking at it. It's looking at each book. You'll look at certainly some of the main figures that are there. But you'll also learn the timeline. Timeline is extremely important. But you'll also learn some of the geography. That's very, very important. And then you'll also even with this, the topography is also very important from there. Then added to that is the culture. And then, kind of, and there's more than this, obviously, more than this, but you'll find out that all things are leading you somewhere. That all 66 books have an underlying common theme. Hello? Now, some say it's the covenant. We'll put it there. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit. It's also a book. Are y'all ready for this one? Of redemption. Right? Isn't that? And guess who is the star of the book? Come on, somebody, right? In the volume of the book, it was written of me. Behold, I come to do thy will, O God. From the Genesis Father, until the Revelation. He's the day star. And so I believe that we can just look at it. Now, I want to show you a little bit of a mystery here. I might deter from a little bit of a notes. I believe in revelation. I believe in doctrine. I believe in systematic studies. And I believe that you can look individually at certain things. Like you've got a need in your life. Like if I have a need for instruction about finances in my life, I'll study. Won't you? I'll do. If I need a word of encouragement, like to have biblical principles, I'll read. I'll go to the book of Proverbs. I'll look at various passages. You know, I'll use uh, Proverbs 6, the ant. You know, the ant, the Bible says she has no God. She doesn't have an overseer, it says. But she gathers her meat in the summertime so she can rest in the winter, right? That teaches us about, you know, seed time, harvest, gathering, work, labor, preparing for older age, right? So there's a lot of things there. So I'll go to it. But I've just learned over the years that I may have an area in my life that is not even, in my mind, directly being referenced in a passage that I'm studying. But it makes no difference because the life of healing that I need is in the entirety of the book. 
Now let me go ahead. I don't know if you caught that. You know, I remember years ago, T.D. Jakes preached a famous message. The kingdom is going to the dogs. It's a powerful message. Anybody ever heard it? Anybody? Two people, three people's heard the message because on one of our Nebraska turkey hunting trips, either we got Tim Hawkins or T.D. Jakes. <laughs> Probably a little more Tim Hawkins, just to be honest. But on one such trip, I shared with him, I said, Shane, let's watch a, a famous message. The kingdom is going to the dogs. And in that passage, in that, he shared how that the life of health that's in the word comparable to, a, to bread. He said every ingredient, he went back to the woman, the Syrophoenician woman who came for healing for her daughters. Everybody remember that? Remember what she said? She said, Jesus said to her, it's not reason that you should take the children's bread and give it to the dogs, right? That meant healing, and it was the covenant. The healing covenant belonged to the children, the children of Israel in that context. But remember what she said. She said, truth, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And what he said was, if there's healing in the loaf, there's healing in the crumb. Right? If there's deliverance in the loaf, there's deliverance in the crumb. So you might have need physical healing in your life, and you're over here reading about forgiveness. And the Spirit of God quickens something inside of you, and it bears witness in your heart, and a physical healing can take place in your life while you're studying something that you may not think is directly connected because it's all God-breathed. That's the, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So the life of God is in all of it. So whether or not you are doing a systematic study on theology, which to a degree was kind of what we uh, attempted to do in the, in the purple book, and now what are we doing, Jace? What's it called when we're doing more of an overview? A biblical theology, kind of an overview. The life of God is still contained in it. Right, it's still contained in it. And you may be just sitting there looking at Isaac, and you may be thinking, now, pastor's talking about this, and I'm going to study it up, and all of a sudden you find yourself on a mountain called Moriah. <laughs> oh, there's power. There's power, right? I remember Dean Caldwell said one time he preached that, the same message. Mary had a little lamb. This is what he preached. And he preached, do you know what I'm talking about, Mount Moriah? Because Abraham went up to offer sacrifice. And he went up on one side of the mountain, and his son said, Dad, we got the wood, we got the flame, but we don't have a sacrifice. And Abraham said, Son, God will provide, because he, prophetically an angel was coming up the other side of the mountain. So you don't know what's on the other side of your mountain, but on the other side an angel was bringing up just the sacrifice that they needed. And so you never know by just looking at an overview, God, you can be looking at a figure, a timeline, geography, topography, and culture, and God can release a spirit of God, a grace in your heart and life and provide healing for you. Does that make sense? Ministering to you, because we have a more sure word of prophecy that you do well to take heed until the day star dawns, till it dawns and rises in your heart. So the life of the pneuma of God is breathed into the Holy Scriptures. Understanding the scriptures, let me share with you here for a few moments. I don't know how much time I got. It's a validation of our faith. Did you know that? I mean, it's important what you know. Come on, we're praying for Mariah right now. I'm getting texts right now. Come on, let's pray for Mariah right now. Let's pray for her. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to send your word. 
God, we want to stand on the Word of God. Father, we intercede on behalf of Mariah. Father, in Jesus' name, we don't know of the, uh, the issues immediately that she's being confronted with. But, God, we stand on the promise. It's the healing. It's the children's bread, God. It's her bread. Let her eat the loaf, God. Let there be health in every area of her life. Father, we call upon the name of Jesus. We drive out fear. We drive out worry. We drive out death. Come on, son. Let's pray right now. We drive out the spirit of death. We drive out fear, anxiety. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, in G- we command, Father God, the spirit of death to be driven from that room. The darkness, Father God, the, the, the very thing, Father God, that's been, Father God, that's been, she's been wrestling with, God. Father, let it be bruised under her feet to the glory of God. Father, we lift up our voice. We lift up our voice and we pray, Father God, and we stand in agreement, God. In Jesus' name, we stand in agreement that by the stripes of Jesus, she's healed. We speak that word of faith over her tonight. We stand on your word, God. And let her family, Father, hold fast. Come on, somebody. Let her hold fast. Let them hold fast their profession of faith without wavering. Come on, somebody. Without wavering in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Now, let's go ahead. Let me go a little farther, and I'll finish and get out of your way tonight. But I want, I want to just ask you, because I'll ask for some feedback, because I've got a, I, I've got a book I can get that's going to help us. It's got uh, some, it's like I told Jace, it's like for Deacon. It's got pictures, colorful pictures. <laughs> and Dwayne can put them on the screen when we need to look at a map or something. Now listen, y'all think that's a little bit silly, but those of us that went to Israel, we came back and the first thing I got was a map. And I kept the map as I studied the New Testament because that, that's what became more apparent to me than anything when I was in the land of Israel was the locality and the, and the topography and the geography and also the culture. Uh, it helped me understand the Scriptures so much more. And, and as we do this, I think it will help you. I really do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be bringing it. If I didn't think the Spirit of God wouldn't quicken it in our hearts and lives, I wouldn't bring it to you. Understanding the Scripture is a validation of your faith. Let me say this as we get ready to close. God spoke on Mount Sinai. Now, I, I shared it Sunday. I called it, right, what was it called? It was called the Mountain of God, wasn't it? Now, it's, also, it's called two things in Scripture, Horeb, right, and Sinai. Right? I know a lot of times I say Sinai, but it's Sinai, Sinai. Some of you are thinking Sinai, like our pastor acts like half times. Mountain of God, the holy mountain of God here. Now, Jesus was on a mountain, we know. And we're going to try to connect that in just a moment. But I want to just share with you here, understanding the Scriptures is the validation of our faith. God spoke on this mountain. I told you Sunday, and I've said, I don't know if the Western church fully embraces the power of that moment right there. When the audible voice of an invisible God was heard. There there could be no mistaking it. There was no mistaking it. It was supernatural. It wasn't the imaginations of men. It couldn't be formed into a statue or image. There's no way that a human could replicate in that time what took place on that day. And it created the context of covenant. It began covenant with the people of Israel. Now, I know God was in covenant with Abraham, 
But the, the Mosaic covenant commenced from that day forward. And he reaffirmed the Ten Commandments. But I want to, here's a verse of scripture that I'd like to, if you can put it up there, Dwayne. It's in Exodus 34, verse 27. I'd like to read that if we can here tonight. Are y'all out there in Radio Land? I feel Jesus in here tonight, don't you? Exodus 34, verse 27. Look at this with me. He said, what did he say about these words? Right. Right. Now remember, what God said, he wrote. Okay? What was that? He didn't, God himself did not write the Torah. God wrote the ten. Correct? Right? On a tablet of stone. God, but the Bible plainly says, by the finger of God, God wrote. And now, God instructs Moses to do what? To write. And he said, write, for after, then he uses this word, tenor. That's a terrible R right there. That's a Wilburn R right there. <laughs> the tenor, after the tenor of these words, in accordance with these words, I've made a covenant with Israel. It's very important that we see this. And then you can even say that like this way. Tenor is a musical term as well. Harmony. In harmony with these words. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because we have a more sure word of prophecy, Peter said. But even what he said, what he taught, was still in harmony with those words. That's why in the first verse of the second chapter, he warned about false teachers. So there is a common theme, remember, there's a common theme throughout the book. In the Genesis all the way through the Revelation is a common theme. The, the, the writer, the apostles, did not write things that were contrary to what had been written previously, but were in harmony with what had been written previously. Remember what one, who said this? Don't think I have come to destroy the law, for I have not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He said, until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or not one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. So the word here, when I see right, when I say scripture, I've, you've heard me say this before real quickly. We have the scriptures. The scripture means what? Holy, right, right there. Holy writ. It is. Peter is exhorting. He's talking about this in his epistle. And so you and I, we have God wrote on Mount Sinai, or excuse me, Sinai, just in my nature, Sinai, I didn't mean to do that. That's why sometimes I use the word horror because I can get it correct more often. The scripture, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said the scriptures cannot be broken. Jesus said man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. Look at that. Let me go ahead and put this up here. Here we go again. What? Every. By every word that proceeded forth out of the mouth of God. And so Jesus' life had been foretold by the scriptures, and yet he also validated the scriptures and their stories. We've talked about that previously, haven't we? What do you mean by that, Pastor Brown? Just real quickly. Jesus, did you know if you go to most science books today, they won't tell you about a global flood. They won't, they, they, they won't you know, there's no belief in any modern science book about a global flood. 
But there was a man called Jesus that said, as in the days of Noah. So I believe, I believe that testimony because he was there in the beginning as the word. Now the point of reference that I'm making is right there is that Jesus validated Noah and the testimony about the ark. He spoke about Moses. He spoke about Daniel. Jesus quoted directly from 24 separate books of the Old Testament in his ministry. The scriptures, a common theme throughout it, a covenant, a book of redemption. The apostles wrote from their understanding of the scriptures, didn't they not? And then in this very same passage, and I'm getting ready to close right now. I want you to go a little bit farther with me into the book of 2 Peter. So we have, and we're going to get into this overview. So we started out here on a mountain of God. We have Moses on the mountain of God. So let's put that there. We have Moses on the mountain of God. Then the preacher preached on Sunday about that Elijah was on the mountain of God. Correct? Is that right? Let's go a little bit farther. So the mount, there's something powerful that happened on that mountain. Right? So then... In the New Testament, so we have this, Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah, almost every Bible student knows, represent two things, the law and the what? Prophets. There's a passage in the New Testament where Jesus went up on a high mountain. It probably wasn't Horeb, but it is in harmony with it. And on that mountain, two people met with him. Who were they? Moses and Elijah. And the Bible says they spoke about his death. If you look at that spiritually, he's, it's simply saying that the law has already spoken about his death. Did you know that the law of Moses foretold the death of Jesus and the prophets foretold the death of Jesus? So it's, it's put, again, it's all one story. So it's all one. But who else was on that mountain? Right? Right? Peter. And so the reason why I'm saying all this is you've got, you've got God's voice was heard on the mountain that day, and then Moses was on the mountain, Elijah was on the mountain, and Jesus was on the mountain, and so we know that, and so, and now you got, so let me put Jesus up here, I shouldn't have left out Jesus, and then you have Peter on the mountain, right? Does that make sense? Peter's on the mountain where they're hearing the voice of God, because they're giving something to us, they're giving us the scriptures. Well, the person that gives us two-thirds of the New Testament is not mentioned on that mountain. But did you know, now take it for what it's worth, Paul in the book of Galatians chapter number 5 said that before he started his ministry, he went into Arabia, where in Arabia is where Mount Horeb is at. I'm not making this stuff up, it's in the Bible. I'm not telling you for a certain, but I'm telling you it's highly probable that God took the man that would give us two-thirds of the New Testament to the very same mountain heard that voice because he said, I received divine revelation about a covenant of grace. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Let me go and we close this off. So look at this last passage real quickly to see this. And if, in, in 2 Peter 3, look at verse number 1. Then we'll jump down. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets of the commandment of us the, and of the commandment of us, the apostles and the Lord and Savior. So he said, be mindful of these words, right? Isn't that what he's saying? 
That's what he said. Be mindful of the words of the Lord. Be mindful of the words of the, of the prophets. And be mindful of the apostles. And then in verse 15 of chapter 3. Let's look at it right here. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, who also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written, notice that word, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of those things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures Unto their own destruction. Let's then look real quickly. I know I've shared this before on Wednesday night, but maybe everybody wasn't in here. When Peter, who was on the mountain with Jesus, said he referenced Paul's writings and he connected them to what? Other what? Say it loud, Jace. Scripture, didn't he? He connected it. So he who heard and had the more sure word of prophecy is now validating the writings of the Apostle Paul, and in doing so, it ties the whole thing together. It's all tied. It's 66 books with a common theme, right? The story is redemption, revealed to us through a covenant that eventually is known as a covenant of grace. And when we look at it through an overview, we get a big picture. And I'll tell you what, it helps you. It gives you knowledge that strengthens you in your walk of faith. Does that make sense? If everybody gives me a little bit of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test pilot it next Wednesday night. Is that all right? And then y'all give me open dialogue, right? That means you either stone me and leave me at the front. For that. <laughs> or you give me a, yeah, pastor, this is really, you know, because I'm being honest. I'm trying to be transparent. We... I'm trying to do something here that is in flow with the worship, the word, the time of prayer, and other preachers and teachers that we can work together in, right? I know a lot of you have said, man, pastor, I really enjoy the, 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 the dynamic of the other pastors equally as much. as, And so this was something if we can flow together in, and that's what I'm kind of looking at. And I just think if you have the overview You'll be a stronger, more mature believer. You'll have greater understanding of the scriptures when we conclude this passage. And it's God-breathed. The Holy Spirit's upon it. Amen? So would y'all pray and let's close here tonight. Father, I love you. Thank you for this time together. Come on, let's pray that. Who, who will honestly pray that? God, thank you for our time together. God, thank you for the text that we read, 2 Peter 1, 21 verses, a more sure word of prophecy. God, stir up the spirit of prophecy. Who'll pray that prayer with me right there? Stir up a prophetic gift in us, God. God, as we look at the scripture, stir up prophetic gifts. God, we, we want head knowledge, but we don't want just head knowledge. Come on, we do. We want knowledge. We want knowledge in general, but we want a prophetic gift. We want revelation. We want to grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe He's the Word. God, He's in Genesis, He's in Nahum. Father, he's in Matthew, he's in Ephesians, and he's in Revelation. He's a, Father, he's in, uh, Father, all the context of the book. I remember the writer said in the volume of the book, it was written of him. And God, we just want to, we want to see Jesus. The, the author again said, but we see Jesus. Help us to see Jesus, God, as we study, as we look, as we grow. 
And Father, and if this is the direction that we're to go as a family or for our study on Wednesday night, then would you, would you, would you bring about a, would you kiss it? If I can say, for lack of better words, would you just, would you give it your blessing? Would you just give it a kiss of heaven and say, this is where I want you to go. This is what the Spirit is saying to the church. This is the direction that you need to go as a fellowship. Lord, I'm looking for that because I don't want to just, I don't want to just do things because we've always done things. And I don't want to change just for the sake of change. I want to do, we want what the Spirit is saying. Come on, church family, bear down on that with me right there. I feel the Lord in that. God, we want the Spirit of God. I don't know who comes in here on Wednesday nights. I don't know what despair they may be in, but I want to be able to give them something that God that's going to stir them up. Father, by pure uh, in remembrance, Father, the Scripture says that they'll be stirred up as we put them in remembrance of some things, God, and it will quicken the Word in their heart and lives, Lord. So, God, we ask that. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want our service to have the, the blessing or the kiss of heaven upon it in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless all of our church families. They go to their homes tonight. Bless them. We'll look forward, Father, to coming back together uh, on, on Sunday morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let me make one announcement as you're dismissed tonight. Sunday morning, I already told you we're going to sit under the juniper tree. But Sunday night's a special. Remember, the third Sunday for seven consecutive months, January through, what would that be? July, I've got a missionary on every third Sunday. This is Janet Sherman. Janet Sherman was a school teacher for 10 years, and she felt the call to missions, and she's already been a missionary associate in Africa, and she's going back. And so she's going to be here with us sharing her, her passion and her vision to go to Africa, and I want to invite you out. That's at 5 p.m. on Sunday night, and then every time we have that service, we're going to have a light finger food fellowship. And we're going to go back and we're going to break bread together, covenant meal together. It's a great night. So put that on your calendar if you would. And uh, well, I'll see you Sunday morning. Amen. Love one another tonight. You see somebody you don't know, make sure you're hugging on them and welcome them and tell them your name, your address, cell phone number, <laughs> whatever.